Hello and welcome to another episode of We Ain't Got No Podcast. I am Ram Srinivas, your host, and I have, as always, with me, Mr. Jimmy Funnel. Hello. Hello, everyone. And today our special guest is Yannick from, well, I mean, he's someone that doesn't really need much of an introduction because you've likely seen his channel on YouTube called Football Therapy. It has a lot of subscribers, like I think 17,000 the last time I checked. Is, isn't that right, Yannick? Yeah, yeah, well, yeah, it's, yeah, it's called over 17. Thank you for the very kind introduction, Ram. Uh, yeah, uh, just over 17,000. Uh, just started it this summer for this season, and um, yeah, it's going pretty well. And I'm, I'm very pleased with it. Six yeah, well, kudos. Yeah, my god, did you just say you started the summer? Yeah, 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 yeah. just this, um, just this summer. Jeez, okay, <laughs> well, yeah, that's uh, literally no, no better way to introduce Yannick there. So Yannick, I believe you went to the Valencia game. I did, yes. Un- unfortunately for me, <laughs> the last two, uh, <laughs> last two home get. Well, obviously Frank Lampard's about a win yet at home, but I, I went to the um, Sheffield game and Valencia game so far this season. But the next two I'm going to is Grimsby and Brighton, so hopefully it's a bit better. But yes, yes, I was Valencia. <laughs> oh, I did. Okay, yeah, yeah. Uh, Grimsby is a good opportunity to set it all right. But oh, don't jinx before... it, Ram. <laughs> yeah. So... <laughs> That's what. That's what. Uh, so, but before we get there, um, si- since you've since you've actually been going to Stamford Bridge with regularity this season, I just want to ask you, like, when we lost to Valencia, it was like, you know, it felt it felt a lot like it didn't feel like playing. You know, I have this I- idea of Valencia in my head, but what I actually saw from Valencia on the day was like they were playing this really pragmatic kind of football. Mm. They were they were shit housing us a bit, to be mm. fair. Mm. And Mason Mount was a, was an early casualty of that, and they were just, they were they were content to sit back and mm. just uh, re- release their attackers when they deemed it suitable. So yeah, I mean that worked. And my opinion is that we should have won. But I mean, what did you think? You know, sitting there and witnessing it all. Well, um, I I thought of a few few things. To be honest, like it wasn't one of those games. You can look at the stats and the metrics from the game, but I didn't feel like we bat. I feel like Chelsea actually didn't play very well in that game. Uh, in comparison to a lot of the games, like you know, there were better spells in the four nil lost to United, in my opinion, or certainly this this was a sort of sense the, the feeling than there was in that game. I, I feel like there was shithousery, to use your um terminology there. I mean, I don't know if you saw <laughs> I don't know if you saw it on camera, but there was a lot of diving and it wound the young Chelsea players up. There was this moment where Tamori absolutely the a Valencia player dived and uh, Tamori just was just you know when like a a player dives in football and they're like reeling around on the floor and the the player who you know he dives next to pretending he fouled him they just get so angry and they're like all shout screaming in their face while they're on the floor like leaning their head right down at them you know screaming abuse yeah. i don't know if this is the footage tamori was doing this to this guy for ages he was like you know probably shouting uh obscenities to him and then he keeps looking over to the ref to see if the ref's looking at him like shouting him and then go back and shout him more <laughs> so, <laughs> so it was um it was a lot of shithousery but to be honest I mean, I can't blame them. Everything they've done. I mean, I was with, I went to the game. I went there before with um, another YouTuber called George Benson, and he he was going around yeah. and he um yeah he spoke to a Valencia fan and um they he was explaining about how the sort of the teams in turmoil at the moment. I'm sure you guys know with the yeah. the controversial sacking of the coach. They didn't actually bring many fans 
to the, the away end wasn't full. I've been to like loads of like um Euro- Europa games, more Europa games than the Champions League games at Ch- uh, Stamford Bridge, sadly. But you know, it's the Europa League ultras, the Eastern European fans that always ram the away section and bring flares and just never stop singing and dancing and chanting. But there yeah. was um, it wasn't that many players. You could tell there's turmoil in the club. And there's a sort of, it could have gone both ways and it could have gone, they capitulated or the, the squad was galvanized, something that Lampard spoke of himself. And they were galvanized, they sat tight, they did the shithousering and they sort of played as a team and it, it kind of worked for them. But yeah, you're right, that's pretty much, I didn't feel like Chelsea played well. We should have won because we're better and we probably had spells of good combinations and attacking phases of playing stuff. But for me, it wasn't. Yeah, I didn't walk away feeling like we, you know, we were robbed. I've walked away feeling like, well, you know, good on him, good on Valencia. Why not, sort of thing. You catch okay, I mean, yeah, that's, yeah, that's yeah, that's an interesting take because, yeah, that, that's probably not too far off from the truth. I thought that the uh, the expected goal metric kind of kind of didn't really reflect the whole picture because some of our shots were like they were from decent positions, but you know. Valencia were really getting behind them. And mm. They were they they were defending us well, basically. And yeah, I mean, I guess we probably weren't robbed, but I thought we definitely should have come in, come away with at least a point or so. And yeah, there was a there was there was a penalty. Well, that's that's it, Ram, isn't it? It's the it's the penalty. <laughs> it's the penalty situation. Their their goal. Um... It was a good goal. It was that set piece routine, isn't it? I remember that happened right right in front of me actually. Um. Mm. Uh, was who scored it? Was it was it Camero? Camero, wasn't it? Rodrigo. I was knew it was one of the straight. Yeah, Rodrigo, Rodrigo. Yeah. Rodrigo, yeah, yeah. So he floated yeah. on the with his there, uh, floated onto that cross, and um, I mean, I'm sure it could be a narrative for this whole episode of being undone by set pieces, and I'm sure Ram knows better than everyone about Frank Lampard's perhaps Achilles' <laughs> heel in defending set pieces. Yeah, it really is. It really um, is. Yeah. But you know, I mean, like you say. The, the Liverpool game yesterday, sadly, that's a game I didn't go to. But uh-huh. I feel like the, the the feeling with the team was such a positive one. I think it by it was almost surreal by the by all accounts hearing people of you've lost to Liverpool at home, which over the last twenty years you tell a Chelsea fan that it should like make him feel sick or whatever. But if anything, it actually had a kind of positive effect on on the the, the fan base really. Um, in terms of what happened and how the players played in the football and, you know, Klopp's... I'm not going to talk about the Liverpool game just yet. I'm going to keep my powder dry. <laughs> but, 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 yeah, we're, yeah. but in regards to Valencia, um, I mean, you know, in, no no critiques to the, the, the coach who's learning on the job, no critiques to the players on the day, but the anthem did play, the Champions League anthem. You know, none of these kids probably thought they'd be, like, near it, really, for... Even if they imagine they'll be rotated into the Chelsea team, they, you know, they, they're in dreamland starting for Chelsea and playing in the yeah, Champions sure. League. So sure. maybe it got to them a little bit, but um, yeah, I, I mean, yeah, like you said, the, the, we might have had a swung in the XG metric and stuff, but really on the day, I just felt like because it was the free back system, I understand why he played that against Wolves and it was a bit of a masterclass. Um, you know, it was, it was the, the classic counter to Antonio Conte in that season. You know, people start playing a free back. He did that against Wolves. Um, it was excellent the way it was executed. But I said, it's this Champions League. We need to play a 4 3 3, certainly against a team like this. And there was just so much benign wide play in the stadium. And I watched it, but it was just as P and Alonso constantly. And it was just sterile. Um, 
for me, wasted patterns of play when we needed to play between the lines. And there was none of that, really, or certainly nowhere near enough as what I'd like to see. And mm-hmm. against that side, I'm almost adamant, guys, that if we didn't play that system... Because I think Frank... To be honest, I've got a criticism for Frank a little bit. I think he bottled it. I feel like he's like, right, Champions League, we haven't got a home win yet. This works really well. Let's not concede any goals. Let's keep it tight. And if we keep it tight, we'll easily score a goal against this club. Let's play the three-back system again. And I think he bottled it a little bit. And if he played a 4-3-3 or a four, you know, or even a diamond, just anything creative to break them down, I feel like we would have won that game. I mean, there's a good point. Uh that mum should at least I don't want to sound overly critical because th- it is at least partially on Frank and I think he knows that himself you know he, he is still learning he is uh, adjusting to this huge stage which he's on I mean, it is difference in, no offence Ram I know <laughs> of your affinity for Derby County but of course it's different being yeah. the manager of Chelsea and especially on the biggest of stages I mean I know he's been in over 100 Champions League games for Chelsea as a player, but it's just completely different as as a manager. And there are a lot of people that were critical of um, his usage of the three at the back again. I mean, as you said, Jan, against Wolves, it just worked. You know, it was brilliant that he did it. Um, it's worked against us in the past when we were playing with three at the back mm. and it just countered that but against Valencia I mean it's just different when you when you play in the Champions League whether that be the group stage or in the knockout stages it's just different you know and just because we won so ecstatic, uh, emphatically uh, against Wolves it doesn't mean that it will work again and I mean I think if we were to play in a, in a 4-3-3 then we would have been more lethal. Um, he bottled it, I think. I know that sounds really Yeah, big. no, I, I, I agree with you. Mm. Yeah. I mean, to be fair... Okay, to be fair... Huh. To be fair, it's not Lampard's fault that Barkley missed the penalty. However, whatever happened in that situation could possibly also be at fault. For, uh, Lampard could be at fault for that because there was no clarity, it seems, you know, because mm. otherwise William and Giorgino would have backed off immediately, you would expect. Um, I, I, I don't know. That That's a bit of a weird situation. And we paid the price or are still paying the price because we need to win, basically, the remaining fixtures to be winning that group. Um, though I think we could draw in Amsterdam and we'd still go th- through at least. But, you know, it's not easy. Mm. You know, for, for, what it, for, for what it's worth, I think the group is like, I think the group is like pretty wide open still. Yeah. Huge. Because I, I, Ajax, are, Ajax are obviously a pretty good footballing team, but um, I, I don't think that they're going to repeat the heroics of last year's cup run. And it's still very possible that we beat them in, in Amsterdam or, I just think that with with this very combination of teams, like anyone can beat anyone anywhere. It, it, yeah. It's just it's just yeah. a perfect storm kind of group. Yeah. I, well, just to just to comment quickly before I, before I express my opinion on the group, Re Barkley. I actually feel a little bit bad for him because the story does check out about him being the penalty taker, um, even when Jorginho is on the pitch, like preseason. Um, and uh, afterwards as well, I think, whenever, because he's obviously bangs, he's been immaculate in training, apparently. 
And yeah. it, all three of us, well, certainly I imagine you and me, Jimmy, would always want Jorginho to take penalties purely yeah. on the basis of he does what Hazard does. He waits till they move and he's lethal. Um, Barkley takes penalties like a B-Tech Harry Kane when he just tries to hit them hard. <laughs> but like... Um, but like it does check out if he's on the pitch, he's the penalty taker. What the the confusion and the controversy is? You've just come on the pitch. Are you sure we're like game ready? We're you know, are you sure you're ready to do it? Even though you you know technically it's your role. And he's like, yeah, 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 yeah. Which I think screwed him up up more. And then Georgina was like, good luck, which you know gave him a little good luck, like hands shaking stuff. Which I think I think all of that made it worse basically. So I've got yeah, a little bit of sympathy. Yeah, I've got a little bit of sympathy for him for that, and obviously everyone's turned on him. Um, anyway, read the group. Um, I did a video on this actually. I actually, um, uh, I think Chelsea are going to finish second in that group. I, I appreciate um what you say, Ram about Ajax. They've obviously lost Mateus Delict and Frankie Dion, but they are still a good team. They've got good players, and they've got this European competition vibe with them mm-hmm. at the moment. Obviously, they're they're buoyant after a three nil win against Lille as well. They're plus three. We're minus one, and you look at Valencia. Regardless of what you think of Valencia, obviously they do have that front two that are very, very good. Their pragmatism will work in Europe. And they've got, for them, the hardest fixture of the group out of the way with a win and a clean sheet. Do you know what I mean? So for mm. them, they're like they're the hardest fixture of their six games is done and they've won it. And they're and that's right off the uh, arse end of the sacking and the controversy as well. So for them, they're like in delirium. This is like the, so that I can't, I can't emphasize how important that result was for them in this group. They'll be thinking we can easily be well in for second here easily, you know, see what happens in against them. Um, uh, the, the Dutch and stuff, but um, for me, like for Chelsea to be feel comfortable, I feel like we need to rely on Ajax battering Valencia in both games, and right. then Chelsea just holding a, an account for themselves and the rest of the group. If um, if Ajax beat down Valencia, then I think we can finish second. But I, I mean, obviously we could finish the top of the group if we do the double on Ajax and whatever, whatever, whatever. But um, I feel like for us to be safe, we need to rely on Ajax completely imposing themselves on Valencia. I, I believe they can do that. I, I mean, it's mm. not impossible. Um, but yeah, I mean, just before we move away from the group stage, unless Ram, of course, you still want to add something to that. I just nah. want to quickly want to yeah. say some things regarding Barkley as well, because... I also don't... Ha- I, I totally agree. You know me, Jan. Uh, I'm also absolutely on board with Jorginho being our penalty taker. For mm. the what it's worth, I'm also in favour of him being our captain. Um, mm. But... What? Thing, oh, yeah. Oh. We, we, we can talk about that. Uh, but... Okay. but um, my, my point is, if Barkley is the designated penalty taker, fine. You know, he, he, has, he showed against uh, Liverpool in the Super Cup, for example, that even under pressure, he can bang them in. Yeah, sorry, that was the example, Jimmy, mm. I was going to say, because Jorginho yeah. was on the pitch then as well. And the thing is, that's, that's fine. My, my quarrel with this situation is next to, of course, uh, William and Jorginho putting him in, under a, even greater uh, pressure, mm. is that why is someone who is... Obviously not our first choice midfield. Uh, one of the first choice midfielders right now, our primary designated penalty taker. Because it's pretty obvious that we're not going to bring him on when the penalty comes on. You know that that wouldn't make any sense. But why would he? Why would why would we choose him as our primary penalty taker when he's only going to start the odd game? 
you say that, but it's when he's on the pitch. But you see, you, you, that's not abnormal. Like you have, like you know, whether whether you believe the story or not about Sari wanting to bring Kepper off for Willy Caballero because Willy Caballero has a, an immense pedigree in saving penalties. Um, you know, people have specialist goalkeepers that used to bring on. They used to bring on players when they knew there's a penalty soon or shoot out soon. So it isn't abnormal because you might have a guy who just always scores penalties no matter what, and for some reason he just doesn't get nervous. <laughs> we can't attribute mm. this to Barkley right now because he's just yeah, skied a really, penalty because yeah. <laughs> he's just skied a penalty. But I was going to say, you know, you, he, he might have been of a character who just doesn't get nervous ever, and he's just always scores penalties. And you know what? As long as you're on the pitch, mate, that's you. Do you know what I mean? It doesn't matter if you play 10 games a season. If you're on the pitch, you're absolutely going to be taking those penalties. So uh, it's not as radical as, as you may as you may think it is. Um, it's just, you know, the, the, the strategic nature of football, trying to get everything to your advantage. But I feel like it's it's a bit of a mountain out of a molehill now. It's because of the the profile of the penalty, really. Yeah, I mean, it's not it's not that uh, unfathomable thing, right? Because it's not like it's not like we gave it to drink water or something last season. Like Barkley is pretty much going to come on like every other game if if he's not going to start. Yeah. So mm. I, it, it it makes a lot of sense if he's technically our best penalty taker. <laughs> if, if drink water picks up that ball, oh my god! <laughs> so if, he's, <laughs> he's the, if he was on the pitch for whatever reason, he picks up that ball. I think everyone's gonna just turn turn around. Yeah. So. It's not a bad penalty take a drink water in the past now, you know. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. But uh, you know, if he does any, if he if he steps up to take a corner, I'll just be nervous at the moment. Yeah. Well, because he's always drunk. But yeah, that's a different topic. Mm. Yeah, we'll leave that. <laughs> yeah, one. but yeah, but yeah, so, yeah. I, I guess the fact of the matter was that uh, the, the fact that we lost to Valencia was probably yeah. I, I think we can agree that it was our own undoing. I guess after after discussing. Well, exactly, Ram. It's 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 um not so much the Leicester game because they're a good side, but it's the Sheffield thing again. It's the you know yeah. it's it's imposing on a negative result to by 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 your own actions essentially. Yeah, fair enough. So, mm-hmm. I guess I guess that's uh that's enough talk about the Valencia game. We'll be we'll be back after a short break to discuss the Liverpool game. Okay, and we are back. Uh, we have been talking about the Valencia game. We've been sharing our thoughts uh, on the whole conundrum with uh, the penalty taker at Chelsea, which is actually something that has, I don't want to say been forgotten because it clearly hasn't been, but it's been, you know, gone a bit into obscurity because we have had a game against Liverpool on Sunday. So at the time of this recording yesterday, um, I mean, uh, my favorite question after one of these games is always just initial thoughts. What 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 were your initial thoughts after uh, the whistle blew for full time? Because I mean, I I've been more disappointed with uh, losses against someone like Liverpool, where we do share a rivalry um, over the years. Uh, but you know, there has been this this <laughs> point of discussion. Of, almost on Twitter, that oh, we shouldn't be accepting mediocrity and yada, yada, yada because the fans were still in good voice. They were very vocal about their support for Chelsea and Frank Lampard um, at the end of the game. I was really, really frustrated with the result because I believe we deserve more, but I think there were some standout performers there. And 
we got some good insight into we can't always rely on Mason Mount or Tammy Abraham, you know, because these first few games have made it a bit distorted, this view, oh, we can trust in the youth. They are only youngsters and they will also have bad games. And that is something that became quite clear to me at full time. But Yannick, uh, mm. what, what were your initial thoughts? Okay, well, um, positive ones immediately. Like um, you said that okay. um, some people saying that, you know, we shouldn't accept mediocrity. If people, Chelsea fans have been saying that after that result slash performance they need to give their head a wobble i think because that was arguably i've spoken to some liverpool fans and they said that's the hardest test we've had all season and we're supposed to be chelsea fighting for like sixth or seventh um you know in crisis gonna take another six to 12 months to get find out who we are and settle down and maybe get transferred and the coach learns his craft to pull out a performance like that so early and have klopp sweating making defensive substitutions for the first time this season trying to hang on um and then people come out and critique that yeah. saying oh we're mediocre it's an absolute Good nonsense there's an absolute nonsense it's like you know the best it was such an impressive performance um i'm sure ram knows as a stat man how chelsea's uh, expected goal metric was i think 171 or something compared to liverpool's yeah. 1.1 um yeah, yeah so Ch- chelsea had that you know we obviously had the var close far call which obviously was the correct one um and then other than that the chelsea were undone by you know the aforementioned frank lampard poor set piece uh, defending slash um youthful naivety and you know re christensen's tackle on the edge of the box i mean in terms of open play and the passages of play and if you calculate the sort of whole i know we did concede chances and kepa made a good save early doors second half and stuff but Chelsea were the better team in open play throughout the 90, 90 minutes. Um, and this is the champions of Europe. This is a team, 15 wins in a row. Uh, you know, God knows how many points they've got so far in what, X amount of time or whatever. And, you know, only lost to Man City last season. Arguably, people can make a strong argument for the most settled first 11. And even Europe, world football at the moment, even if Man City have a better squad and a better coach. Um, yeah. And and we had him sweating. We had him on the ropes. We battered them that second half. Um, so to you know, people saw that Chelsea, and they probably remembered. Oh yeah, Chelsea have been awesome for twenty years, even in the nineties, and we used to beat Liverpool. Wait, why didn't we beat <laughs> Liverpool? Wait, why, why didn't we beat <laughs> Liverpool? Oh no, no, just take a second, step out of yourself, and look what happened the last eighteen months. Oh yeah, actually, that's an amazing result, an amazing performance. Well, not an amazing result, but you catch my drift. Uh, yeah. An amazing performance, and we should all just take positivity from that. You know, Liverpool fans, all of them, if you ask the ones that aren't overly partisan, they'll all be like, you know, that's the hardest test. Um, we we got lucky, we rode our luck, and that's great. You, so Chelsea were a bit unlucky, but they, I don't think any Chelsea player will be moody about that result still. we were ne- If that was an Arsenal or a Man United, a, a team that around us that we really can't be losing to or don't want to be losing to, um, obviously the United result early doors was different because it was Lampard's first game. But it would be very, very different and I'd still feel frustrated. But because we're never going to be fighting for the title with Liverpool, the only negative thing, you know, the, the, this season, I mean, yeah, the only negative <laughs> uh, theme of that is, oh, we could have done City a favour there and hopefully Liverpool won't win the league. But that's that's it. Other than that, it's just, it's just um, riddled with positives for me anyway. Hmm. 
Okay. Yeah. I, I, I mean, that I, I agree with you. I agree with you. Some would then, I think, say, however, the acceptance that, yeah, we're not going to fight for the title is already this acceptance of mediocrity, which is just, for me personally, an illustration of how how much we've uh, achieved in recent times because people are just used to having one winning this title entitled it is uh, it is entitlement and i think we've also developed a complacency that this should just be the case i mean Imagine we're not going to be a united fan jimmy exactly exactly <laughs> or or like Ram, a Bournemouth fan, or uh, or <laughs> <laughs> no, I kid, I kid. But my well, point. But is... you know what? Yeah. Um, mm. Sorry to interrupt. Um, no, no, you fine. mentioned a United fan. I saw Mark Goldbridge tweeting out saying that every time he watches Chelsea, they seem like a club that has an identity and they have a plan, and he has no doubt that Chelsea is going to get better. I, yeah. I like. I, I. It's not just him. Every so many neutrals that I can see. Who, who comment on the game a lot mm. and who look at like stats and everything, like pe- people from Stats Bomb and all, all, all of them. The, the overwhelming take from them is that Chelsea is fine. I mean, they will be fine. These mm. are, and uh, you, you talk about a sense of complacency. I, I like to treat it with a slightly more harsh word. I think it's, I mean, I think it's entitlement because there's, there's a difference between accepting mediocrity and being like, realistic the the fact of the matter is that liverpool invested in a long-term process and they are where they are because of that right now they are pretty damn good Mm. and we everyone keeps saying like we have turned into arsenal because we have you know we're taking the positives out of uh, display like yesterday but that's simply not true because i i haven't i mean i don't think see i saw us fight with a certain spirit yesterday like we really wanted to badly win the game Mm. And you know, like against all odds, and that's that's, Never die. that's still yeah, that's yeah. still Chelsea for me, right? Because you you can uh, it, it is what it is. We we aren't a team that is going to like w- walk the league or finish in the top two like every year. It, it it may have happened because of you know Antonio Conte being like a really 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 good manager one season, mm. but um, the the club is simply not run in a sustainable manner. So yeah. People need to like. They need to realize that times are times are different now, and these things happening doesn't mean that you know things are just never going to be good again. I see it as a natural process that things have to go up and down sometimes. And unless you're Manchester City, I mean, you think about any club you want in England. It's happening to every club that has been good at any point of time. Mm-hmm. United haven't been what they were under Sir Alex. Liverpool haven't been as good as they were until like. Now, until I mean, since Arsenal, like 2005, yeah. Arsenal mm. have just, I mean, not been good for a really, really long, long time. Mm, and similar. Spurs are like, you know, Spurs. So, yeah. uh, <laughs> so unless you're like Man City and you have infinite financial resources to keep improving your squad in, you know, a trailblazing manner every summer, this is going to happen and it's happening. And it's, I, I think it's best that we get behind the team because. So we can see that something good is happening here, right? So, well, yeah. I mean, there's sorry, I was gonna say this. So, I mean, if, you, if you're gonna sort of highlight the positives of Chelsea, there's so many good things happening. I mean, yeah. p- people are whinging, and like, I okay, so I'm a 30 year old Chelsea fan, like, 
Frank Lampard's my favourite player. He's the greatest ever Chelsea player ever. He, you know, he's like he's sharp. He's 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 notoriously intelligent. He's yeah. proper Chelsea. He's good looking. He like represents the club. <laughs> he he's personified everything that made Chelsea great the last like 15, 20 years. Even if he wasn't playing, then he's encapsulates that never die. That you know we are Chelsea, London. You know, and um, and you just dream. Imagine if he became Chelsea manager one day, and like he's Chelsea manager <laughs> like people are like people are saying oh you know yeah he's inexperienced I mean I was concerned for that but it, the, the dream has come true and, and moreover it, it's not just that he's brought in Jody Morris and Joe Edwards there is number twos and you know Petr Cech is essentially the technical director and his role will progress and evolve and you know everyone all the band's back together and not only that they're playing direct modern football with a hint of pragmatism when when requ- required and they're, they're setting up uh, the club as it should be in modern day football they're using what is arguably the world's best academy and giving gareth southgate headaches about who to select for his england squad and the kids are doing it it's like a hollywood story chelsea were like you know the chelsea when um, roman came in you know chelsea rent boys and all that now we're like, you know, the Busby Babes. It's like the Chelsea Academy boys. It's Frank Lampard's boys. The greatest ever goal-scoring midfielder of all time is Chelsea's manager. He's bringing through the kids from the academy and they're doing all right and they're playing exciting, risky football. But he's willing to not be too dogmatic. He will change. He hasn't got the ego of a Jose Mourinho or an Antonio Conte. He's like, okay, if I screw up, I'll look to my boys, Jody and Joe, what should we do? Let's be pragmatic. Let's use my wealth of footballing knowledge throughout my career. Let's go free back. Let's go a diamond. Let's do this. Let's believe in the kids. Let's play with them on the at Cobham on the training ground. Let's have a laugh with them. Let's build up their confidence. Let's remind them what Chelsea is and what it means to play for Chelsea because these kids have won through Chelsea throughout the youth stages and they've got chemistry playing together and they've idolised Frank Lampard's generation it's a Hollywood dream come true literally happening in front of our eyes right now and if people are moaning about mediocrity or not getting the results against behemoths that have got seven years down through their you know plan then like I said they need to give their heads a wobble can I because I agree with everything and I think uh, uh, you know Ram will as well of course what I really do want to now know, because we have been talking about Frank Lampard and him bringing his experience in to play, is one specific thing which has been uh, a point of critique uh, recently. And that's, as you already mentioned, Jan, um, and of course, Ram will know, his frailties. Uh, on set pieces or oh, you got to bring it right back to I, I have to because the thing the thing is the thing is we we have been conceding and there have been these arguments that have been made you know in, in attack he's brilliant you know he, he 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 can you know one can see with for example the perfect example uh is Mateo Kovacic I can remember you saying Jan in January when we had the uh, the attacking three pod thing that you really think he's a very gifted player and he was already there a bit, you know, uh, there were people on the fence about him. Mm. But um, then at the end of the summer, we were all kind of unsure, you know, should we actually buy him for the, the numbers quoted? Now mm. he's developed and he's looking fantastic. You know, at at worst, the most... Uh, the best quality of depth, you know? Mm. And I think that Lampard plays a big 
uh, part in that. Uh, same with Mason Mount, blah, blah, blah. And also, you know, with Tammy Abram, anything that's up front and in the middle of the part, Lampard will contribute positively. Mm. But in defense, yeah. I mean, it's a problem. Is it not? Can I just say, sorry, uh, it's yeah, probably no, about time to bring free. Ram in or whatever, but uh, just, just on Mateo Kovacic, can we have a little bit of love for his flip-flap against Liverpool when he was being pressed and he played out of the press with his flip with both feet and went ding-ding and played out? Yeah. He, he's really press-resistant <laughs> and he's a really good ball progression dribbler. I've always been a big fan of his. And mm. you make a very good um, uh, salient point there, Jimmy, about his about his sort of almost makeup as a player and how that's reflected on the pitch from the midfielders and the forwards and the attackers. But um, it, it's almost the narrative and the film is almost just gagging for JT to join yeah. the defensive yeah. side. Not sure he's uh, that's going to be the answer or if he's tightened up Villa too much if they're letting 10-man Arsenal put three behind them after they're winning. But um, but he's done wonders for Tyrone Mings, actually, uh, JT. That's so, yeah. yeah, so, I, I you know, may, maybe that. But... Um, I don't know. I mean, to be honest, I can only speculate like you, Jimmy. I know Ram's well-versed in the um, the Achilles heel of, of Frank Lampard, so I'll, I'll actually be probably quite interested to hear what Ram has to say in terms of what if we can expect a positive... Because I've basically tried to be Mr. Positive and maintained, well, whatever whatever's going wrong at Chelsea at the moment is the stuff that could be coached out. You know, that's the sort of tangible coaching out sort of elements of football. But everything else, the sort of philosophical stuff, the modern day uh, expressive direct football stuff, the difficult stuff is, is going well. So I'm trying to be positive about it. But bowl accounts, Ram watched a lot of Derby and um, I, I, I'd be interested to hear if, if we can expect positive changes or if we're forever doomed. <laughs> uh Okay, so... Um, this is starting um, well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yannick has left the call. <laughs> well, Dobby, Dobby didn't really get, I mean, much better defending set pieces or last mm. season. Uh, it's, I mean, could be down to a multitude of reasons as to why, but they did mark in a similar manner, which is also pretty discouraging. Mm. But they had a genuinely not very tall squad and I mean they had like Jaden Bogle and Tomori and Keo were like not not the strongest in the air at the time so mm-hmm. you know defending crosses and defending set pieces was like a pretty big you know Achilles heel for them and mm-hmm. while while I think Chelsea is better better equipped to deal with crosses and while I think that Tomori individually has come come across I mean he's come along quite some way as a player okay I guess that's one positive because Tomori at the start of last season was hopeless in the air uh, mm. like uh, I used to hate to say it like he was yeah, obviously very good on recovery pace and he could stifle an attacker on the ground but early uh, mm. it was very easy for someone to get the better of him and the, the guy playing beside him also wasn't, wasn't very good even mm. though he was very experienced so Rich, Rich right Akio, now, yeah. yeah Rich Akio. so Right now, I think that if we have Rudiger back and given how much, I mean, how far Tomori has come in one year, uh, we should be better. I mean, we're, we are definitely better equipped to deal with with, with like crosses and set pieces. I think the main issue lies with the zonal marking itself. Uh, I I don't know if this was, I think this was said in the press conference after the game or it was said in the interview with Sky. Um, 
did you guys see that Lampard said that zonal marking was because we aren't a particularly tall squad, so mm, we can't yeah. we can't afford to go man to man. Oh my so, god, CX sorry Ramcon. Yeah, and so that that's that's the thinking behind going zonal, but also the fact is that uh, he also mentioned that they were aware that zonal marking was an issue, and he said that. He essentially said that these things take time. You know, it it takes time for them to replicate these things on the pitch from the training ground. And uh, his spell at Derby County doesn't really fill me with optimism to the brim. But can, can I just comment on the like you yeah, say yeah. on on, yeah. on zonal marking? I think it yeah. was the Super Cup, and Golo yeah. Kante was uh, picking up Virgil Van Dijk, and it was the saddest yeah. thing I think I've ever seen in my life. Or he was the guy like next to him because whether it's a hybrid of zonal simple man to man, but he was like, it it was Kante next to Van Dijk, and it looked like he was picking him up, and you thought this is like a meme or a joke or some sort of weird like setup. But um, yeah. but yeah, I mean, I I did hear like I think it was on, um. Uh, Chelsea fan cast of Stamford Chidge, he brought on, or he did a segment with uh, an anal- not an analyst, like a coach or tactician guy, and he explained because uh, he, because like Stamford Chidge, he's sort of one of the old Chelsea Chelsea old boys. He worked with the club years ago, and he's probably in his fifties or whatever. And you know, some of the older generation of Chelsea fans definitely are all advocates of man man marking. Um, you know, because it's a bit more old, old school. You know, four four two get the ball up to the big man and man mark in the box sort of thing. But, um, but you know, it, it was frustrating. Everyone, this zonal marking when you see it, it's dysfunctional. And I, sadly for, for the listener right now, and for you guys, I can't replicate what this guy explained, but he made a very, at the time, uh, put, convincing argument, which I can't remember the details of, of why uh, zonal marking is actually makes a lot of sense um, in, in like present day football. But in fact, people do employ, a hybrid between man to man so you start in zones and then when the ball's been delivered you pick up a man or something like that but um regardless you get zonal or man marking you get you watch back failed set pieces and regardless to the intended approach you can see what's dumb like okay so alonso should be picking up Firmino there or do you know what i mean or like come on like you just just know who's next to you and can't let that running channel be so easy and I mean it's easy for us to criticize or whatever but looking back and in in sort of hindsight it does look so dumb when it just doesn't work I think set pieces are just those those kind of things that it's really difficult to evaluate properly I mean a bit like goalkeepers I'd say Mm. because it's hard to really zero in on what they're going for in the first place like how what their plan is to zone lay mark, assuming they have a plan, which I'm willing <laughs> yeah, to, yeah. which I'm willing, which I'm willing to give concessions to. So, <laughs> so yeah, I mean, it's it, it's difficult for any of us to really say what's going on. I mean, all, all we can all we can hope is that I mean, we know they're aware. They've said they're aware. So, all we can hope is that whatever they're trying on, I mean, trying on the training ground is eventually going to re- reflect into the results. But I think that to to put a positive spin on it at all is that. At least we're able to isolate our issues. It's not like there are gaping holes in attack and there are, you know, gaping holes like everywhere. Yeah, exactly. Things need, things need to be patched up a lot. Like if you know yeah. what's going wrong, then that's that's always good. Like when you're talking about anything, really, it just doesn't have to be like just, just in football. But anyway, yeah, um, you, you, they know the set pieces are going wrong. They know that there's a massive gap between uh, midfield and defense when they're pressing high. So mm. when, when that's, you have that's something been better. To work, yeah, that's been better. Exactly. So, so when you know what you have to work towards, then 
I mean, you, you have to believe that people at that high level will be actively working to get get over it. So mm, that's I mean, that, that's can, all I can. Can he do that? That that's the question. What I I'm asking because can he do that? Yeah. Because you just said it's all discouraging what we've been seeing from Derby because. Yeah. It's fine that, you know, I, I I totally agree with what you say that, you know, the other areas, it's looking good. You know, we're getting better, getting a bit more clinical up front, et cetera, et cetera. But the defensive problems, even, you know, we though we only scored one, <laughs> one, uh, on, no, of course we conceded two, two goals, but um, it, the one we couldn't really do much about, you know, that, that free kick, it was stupid that we, there was, well, we conceded that free kick, but generally, you know, you can't really do much against that. But it was, it was nice. It, yeah, it was. It was just nice. You know, you can't really. You know do what? Much. As a, the second as goal a, was ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm got, really got to say, and the, I, I don't know how Lampard's going to address this because if we're not tall enough, what's he plan to do? You no, know, I mean, I, I don't like this argument of, you know, we're not tall enough. We can't do this. Is the same. Um, Man City, a small team. Same be- first of all that and it's the same BS as last season with Sari saying no Emerson can't play because we need the height and we can definitely see now <laughs> Mate, that, that Marcus Alonso is the best left back in Europe apparently oh so. yeah yeah if you if according to some people on Twitter just because he had one game which was <laughs> you know average for me personally oh, at I'm best not about, I'm not about hating on Alonso I think no, but you know it's, it's ridiculous saying you know oh you know people hate him and we should leave him He's had. I I agree that he wasn't as bad as he's used to been. Yeah, then, a good game against Liverpool. Well, I, and, I in spells. Don't, don't, yeah, in spells. But you know, on the goal, he should have done better. True. And but as you know, good, yeah, yeah, his crossing I mean, is generally just atrocious. It uh, is. I don't know about that. I mean, I did last season he had a horrendous stat with his Brad, crossing. Kenneth Levanovic was a god at crossing compared to Marcus Alonso. Yeah, I, I, if we're going to talk about Alonso, I, I mean, I just want to say that you're right and I agree and he's not a conventional left back. And I, I think Emerson, certainly the, before the international break, he was Chelsea's highest rated player on who scored. I did a video about it above Tammy Abraham and Mason Mount. Uh, he's an excellent conventional left back. Uh, Alonso does have some very niche um, qualities that make him very, and he's very good at what he does. Um, in terms of he's got a sweet left foot, he can hit a volley, he can poach a goal, he can win headers, he can hit a sweet direct free kick, um, he can just camp out forward and be available. And that's happened when he played the wing back role, and it even happened against Liverpool. He was seeing so much of the ball against Liverpool, and generally successfully that we were roasting them on that flank. And Why? Alonso, Why did they leave him the space? Because they knew nothing would happen. Oh, that's too reductionist. No, I feel like they they were getting run ragged Liverpool in that second half. It wasn't like let's let Alonso have the ball. They were like sweating, fouling, time wasting, defensive uh, substitutions. Yeah, it wasn't I, I, like we're fine because Alonso's got the ball. Yeah, but let let let's face it. You know, when when the ball came out to him, he's only got his left foot. He can't. He can't. And I'm not talking about the, the shot they took. That can happen to any player. I'm not going to con- you know condemn him for that because I mean it was a bad shot. He put in some down. good crosses that game though. He put on amazing, like for Mishy and Mason at the end, and he put on shots that could have easily been assists, uh, crosses, excuse me. That could, have, I mean, I, in that game, I agree with you. Your general consensus, Jimmy, and I feel like we, I feel like we could cash in on Alonso to an elite European club who wants a goal-scoring left wing back. I think we could double our money on him, even. But in terms of a conventional left back, I don't feel like 
he should be anywhere near the team. I feel like we should probably maybe even promote what's his name, Matson or whatever like that Dutch kid is to to deputise behind Emerson. But um, in terms of, I feel like he's a known quantity, Alonso, and he does offer a lot of positives and he's, he's had positive moments. He was good against Wolves. And I actually think he was, apart from not picking up Firmino or whatever, I feel like he was, he so much went through him against Liverpool and he was a, an important outlet for whip. Ram, what do you think? Do the decide that Ram's going to be the, the judge here. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I'd, I'd have, I'd have Emerson all day. Yeah, well, so, so would I. I mean, that's, 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 <laughs> oh, the that's too thing. easy. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, no. I mean, uh, I think I'm not suggesting we play Alonso ever, but in terms no, of him, what well, he can Alonso help. does he 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 does he does bring he does bring things to the table. He, I mean, he he was obviously uh, a key part of Conte's title winning side for a reason. Wait, it's a um, revelation, yeah. Yeah, but when he plays that three four three system, I I think that firstly, I think uh, a huge motivation of shifting to three four three from four two three was because we had to accommodate Alonso and. His best role is actually as a wing back because he needs to not have as much of the onus of the defensive responsibility, mm. and because one, his his pace cannot cover it, and I think that he can be useful in clutch situations such as uh, you know winning like that crucial aerial duel uh, to start to stop an attack from breaking through, and I think that he did make a couple of important tackles as well against Liverpool. He did much mm. better than I thought he would actually. Oh, and, okay. Yes. yes. Yeah. And that's what. That's well. That's pretty much what I was saying. Like he had a really. I said like you know I, I entered that statement of surprisingly he had a good game against Liverpool. Yeah. He 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 brings. I mean he has. There are understated things that, that he does well that I think are brought to the fore more when he's playing as a wing back because mm. he's he's good in the final third. He doesn't have you know the 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 trickery or the quick fake that Emerson does. Or, or or the mobility even, but I think that the the power that he wields in his left foot can be very useful, as well as his you know his uncanny tendency to get get into positions into the penalty area. Okay. Is, yeah. Yeah. Sorry, so, uh, sorry, Ram. I just I just wanted to say he completed 100% of his tackles. He uh, won two headers. He completed 100% clearances. He made four interceptions. Remember, he came on as a sub. The next highest yep. was two, the ne- yep. which was the highest. The next highest was two. So, yep. you know, he he did do a lot of defensive um, work there. And he, yeah, he won corner. He um he had a shot. He had a shot. <laughs> also, yeah. <laughs> yes, so he 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 made three key passes. Everyone yep. else made one except Espelicueta, so obviously, and he made he created a big chance. So really, looking at it, and he completed the second most crosses. Um, yeah. So he, he had a really good game good statistically. Game. Yeah. yeah, he had a good all-round game, and he is a good. I mean, he's a decent one-on-one defender. He's not bad by any means. But mm-hmm. when you're when when you're going to play a system that requires um, when you're going to play a back four, I mean, I don't think that he should be starting in that kind of system. Maybe no, he gets if, roasted. But, he's yeah, so it, slow. <laughs> So he's your roof and left back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I mean, I, I think that for what it's worth to have Alonso and Emerson both in your squad actually gives you a, a healthy choice of yeah, you know options to have b- between changing systems and everything. So I mm. think that's good. Uh, yeah. But yeah, I mean, I I think that Lampard does have a preference for the four two three ultimately, and mm. so I think that. Yeah, Al- Alonso. I mean, uh, ultimately, in the long term, it might boil down to how happy Alonso is uh, by 
by playing second fiddle. So. Yeah. Well, yeah, I think we're all on the same page with it. To yeah, be honest, yeah. I feel I feel yeah. like we could pr- pr- probably flip him. I'd, if you said to me, "What would you do with Alonso?" I'd try and make a profit I mean, on him. If he went, I wouldn't be too disappointed. Yeah. That's well, crazy. no one would. Yeah. <laughs> 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 I feel bad. Too. I hate. I never. I never want to hate on any Chelsea player. But, um, you know, he's he's been a great servant, and he's probably happy of his time at Chelsea. And yeah, he'd, probably sure. do, he'd probably what? Yeah, imagine him going to like Italy, playing left wing back and banging like eight league goals in a season. He'd be having a lovely time. Yeah, and I, I think that's also a good way to, to end the Alonso topic because I, you know, I know it seems as if I was just hating on him, but you know, when when there's no one else in this Chelsea squad who I'd rather have on the free kick than him when it's on that right side. Uh, he's fantastic, Dan. I know that he is able to score goals, although that has dried up. You know, mm. even, before he, even before he, even uh, before he was uh, wasn't dropped. You know, under Sari, he wasn't really scoring anymore as such. But yeah. not compared to in the uh, three at the back uh, system that we had under Conte. But you know, he's been a good servant. Mm. I just, you know, in the four at the back, which we are primarily going to be using, you can't, you just cannot counter mm. it's just it's too dodgy and that's just the way it is but before we continue uh or come to the last segment of today's podcast uh, we're just going to take a very quick very quick break right so welcome back and we are we're just going to end off things by looking forward to the grimsby game Woo-hoo. which yeah uh honestly i i can't remember the last time we played aside in league two in any of the cups actually uh, Yannick, I don't know if you can, but definitely uh, not. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, I can remember a lot of League One, but just not League Two for some reason. Anyway, mm. um, yeah. So Grimsby are mid-table in League Two right now, so they're they're not not exactly flourishing, not languishing either. And either way, this is the sort of team that you usually faces up against our development squad in the Secretariat Trophy. So, you know, yeah. on 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 paper, it should be a pretty good game and. Uh, but by all indications, Lampard is going to put out a side which features players who either haven't played a lot and youngsters, I would assume. Um, you have to think like the likes of uh, Billy Gilmore and Ian Matson or maybe even Mark Gehi would be in the mix. And there's obviously two players who I need not name who will definitely be back. So, yeah, Yannick, um, what do you think? I mean, what do you think we can expect from the game in terms of the line? Well, well, I'm going to this game because it costs ten pounds for a ticket on general sale, which you is amazing. Lucky, lucky, love that. Ten pounds yeah, on general sale from the Chelsea website. I was like, well, mm. might as well drive up Stamford Bridge for that. Um, <laughs> and I've never been in the East End as well. I've been all around the West End, the shared Matthew Harding, but it's just an East End ticket for a tenner. So I was like, all right, mental. Anyway, so I think we can expect some uh, superstar appearances. From probably Rhys James and Callum Hudson Odoi, which is really the headline for this game, um, I think. But yeah, obviously someone like Billy Gilmore, a very very good player, uh, very highly rated. Um, Centre forward will be an interesting one. I mean, Batshuayi will probably be gagging for um, a televised ninety minutes. Mm. Um, so that that will be really interesting. Um, I mean, Giroud's got nothing to prove. Um, he's a known quantity. He's a known tool, a very good one at that, but very much a known quantity. Like, he doesn't need to prove anything. So you'd fancy Batch Rye to get 90 minutes here. Um, 
flanked by who knows, like maybe um Hudson Adoyans, someone from maybe development squad or Billy Gilmore hey, into gotta huh? be Pulisic, surely. A Pulisic, of course. Yeah, 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 yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> now, did we all, no, you're well a good point well made, because I was very much of the camp before these, you know, stories have surfaced about Frank not really sure about him just yet. I was like, well, he's obviously saving him for Liverpool because he did so well in the Super Cup, but running in behind. That's absolutely why he's not playing as Wolves. Don't worry, guys, he's playing in the Super Cup. <laughs> so, yeah, no, he, he's just absolutely... <laughs> so much for that. That. Yeah, so I thought he'd be rested for this game, but you're absolutely right, Ram. Well said that he, he should absolutely get 90 minutes here. Um, um, and, and well, I was going to go on. Billy Gilmore's an interesting one because he seems to seems to be able to play anywhere apart from like, you know, I mean, he's played as the sort of uh, playmaker regista role. He's played all around the midfield. I think yeah. he can actually yeah. play wide forward and number 10 as well. So, yeah, for, yeah really interesting, uh, really interesting to watch him live. And I think. Maybe it'll be nice to see. It'll probably be Caballero just because he fancy a game. But it'd be nice to see Jamie coming and go. And um, it'd just be really interesting to see some of the development squad out there. Maybe on the bench, probably like an, an interesting bench. Um, but yeah, they need to win. It's going to be a physical game. It's going to be their cup final, uh, Grimsby. So uh, yeah. they're going to be all in. It can't be like an aloof. Uh, evening out at Stanford Bridge when you're gonna get you know if we are playing some of the kids someone like Billy Gilmore some like hairy assed League Two Grimsby six foot three 100 kilo centre back is gonna body if you if you've seen Billy Gilmore he looks like your 13 year old little brother um you know <laughs> no matter how good he is on the ball he can get absolutely bodied in a game like that so and that will prevent him from playing so there's loads of things to be taken into account but the headlines will be returnee superstar return you know if if this was if this game was two months down the line uh Ruben Loftus-Cheek might even be one of these returning players as well you know but certainly to see Hudson Adoy and James play some minutes half a game 60 minutes that'll be exciting yeah like what, what, how do you think we're going to line up in midfield exactly if you had to pick like three players mm. interesting question I feel like because we've got Brighton, I feel like Barkley will. I, I I do suspect that he just wants to give his players that just on the fringe ninety minutes. If you know, it, maybe play a Barkley. If Barkley and Billy Gilmore, I think there will be two shoe ins maybe. But if Barkley, you know, bangs a hat trick from midfield, he's gonna uh-huh. he's gonna make Frank go. Oh God! What? All right, you know, do I play you suddenly instead of Mason Mount, who's a bit quiet against Liverpool? Um, mm. he's gonna need this opportunity. It won't just be you know bring all the development squad through i think the bench will be really exciting for the kids because they'll yeah, they'll pull, they'll pull them in yeah because yeah. you know it's joe edwards and jody morris at the end of the day as well so it'll be yeah. like you know let's give them a match day on the stanford bridge bench that in itself is an experience of course sitting on that bench yeah. watching your team and just knowing that something you know there's a four percent chance you can play that game but not expecting to is just enough for them but yeah. um so I, i'd say billy gilmore ross barkley and it'd be interesting for a third choice. I mean, I don't know if there's any sort of rising stars at the moment in the development squad, but I see them two behind the front three of Batshuayi, hudson Adoy, and maybe Pulisic, but maybe you can follow up on that, Rem. Okay, fair enough. Uh, also, I mean, there are a number of interesting decisions to make here because, you know, uh, you know how Emerson hobbled off, right? And mm. um, assuming we want to, like, rest Alonso or something, do you think we might see Matson? And that's not the only thing because... Uh, Christensen went off injured, and Rudiger is 
I mean, he's injured. So what does Gay have... play again? Is he a sent forward or he's a, is he a oh, defender? Mark Gohi is the captain of the development squad and he's a central defender. So yeah, so we might see him, right? Yeah, he's he's very much in the vein of Tomori in the sense that he's very good on the ball, mm. and um, yeah, he's technically good and he's strong and. Yeah, he's he's always been a similar player to Tamori in the youth times when I watched him. So, yeah, do, do you think Lampard might just you know uh, choose I'd to rest Tamori and Alonso as well? I th- I think you're probably right. Yeah, and absolutely, I'd see Gay starting here purely because I know he's trained with the first team squad, and yeah, he kn- and he knows what um he knows what Lampard's all about. So I think yeah, that would be a good shout playing him. Um, uh, maybe, maybe McEachern is he still is he on loan or is he still in the development squad? No, he's very much he is very much here. signed in. Yeah, game. so certainly on the bench. I mean, he perhaps he could be that third mid midfield. Is he a mid? I'm pretty sure he's a midfielder, isn't he? He is. Yeah, he is. Yeah, so yeah. he could much be that like third. His yeah, yeah, but hopefully a bit more successful than his brother. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, he could, it could be a midfield three of Barkley, um, uh, Billy Gilmore sitting because he's done that. He could sit behind, and it could be Barkley and McEachern as the two sort of number eight flanked midfield forwards, the the aforementioned front three that we've discussed. Yeah, like Sergei at centre back, maybe Jamie Cumming, probably Caballero, maybe mm-hmm. Martin at left back. Obviously, very very highly rated by Chelsea fans yeah. and, and yeah, yeah. the club and stuff. But again, it it's a, it's a, it's a risk ram to, to to suddenly go for us just to say him him and him him and him from you know from yeah. the uh, development squad and then Grimsby score a couple of set pieces and then Chelsea. <laughs> Start, you know, it's just terrible. Ter- yeah, yeah. Well, you know, it could happen. And then Chelsea are terrified, and then yeah. the headline. There's a very, very damaging headline the following day to whole to Frank Lampard's whole, um, you know, ex- excursion. But you know, Chelsea career essentially as Chelsea manager, and, and it is after watching him, I say bottle it, playing that back three, trying to ensure that her first home win against Valencia and ultimately, in my opinion, making the wrong move. I see him not bottling this, but similarly in the same vein, maintaining the same fear. Like, let's just say this, this needs to be the first home win. Like this is a banker. So I feel like he, you'll see the Barclays, the Batshuayi's and if he can, who knows, I, you know, as Pelicueta can play 800 games a season apparently so you might be like can you just sit back here and watch these kids and tell them not to do anything stupid and i'll take yeah. you up when we're three goals up or something do you know what i mean like it yeah. could happen could yeah or he might just i don't know he might play kovacic in midfield or something exactly so, totally, yeah. exactly kovacic yeah. you can be a rotational player in midfield you're like look yeah. you're my boy just run around and boss this midfield please <laughs> so yeah, yeah that makes a lot of yeah. sense uh yeah i guess that's yeah that's as far as it goes with the lineup so Let's just uh, finally have, I mean, scoreline predictions from all of us. Like, Yannick, why don't you start? Um, I mean, we have to impose ourselves here, surely. Uh, he's going to be, look, this should have a clean sheet. The thing is, it's so difficult predicting a clean sheet with the Chelsea side, but we have to. <laughs> okay? We just have to, because he's going to be like, we need one. We haven't had one. This is a chance. It's not to against Grimsby, then. Yeah, um, at, home, at home against Grimsby, regardless yeah. of the rotation. I feel like it's going to be... Chelsea gonna be behind. I said, I'm. I have to. I have to be really positive. I'm gonna say four nil. <laughs> I have to. Say. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. I am. Um, I'm gonna say five nil. <laughs> oh, okay. I'm liking it. <laughs> I'm gonna go with three one. I don't think oh, we're not gonna get. Yeah. You yeah, are yeah, yeah. such a downer. <laughs> to be honest, like at one one Wednesday night, I'll be like, God, I hope Jimmy's prediction comes in. <laughs> well, I just think that. 
if we do field uh, a young lineup, which is not no not impossible because Lampard is showing that he will give them chances, and I doubt that he'll change this uh, just just because you know the results haven't necessarily been going our way. Um, I do think that we'll have enough quality in the lineup um, mixed up with the youth. So I, I really do think that uh, there will be some, maybe some individual errors, and that's why it could be an opening at a corner or a free kick, whatever that Grimsby scores, which will be you know nice for them, like a consolidation. Mm. But I think we'll be already three or not three nil up at that point. So yeah, pretty much that. Um, that would, would be it, it for me. And I really hope Billy Gilmore scores. That would be brilliant. Lovely. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, that pretty much wraps up our podcast for today. Uh, on a nice note, hoping that Billy Gilmore scores a goal. That would be fantastic. But, I mean, we, we've been on podcasts together quite a few times. You've been gracing ours once or twice. And I've been on yours as well. Yannick, it's always great having you on. It's a pleasure discussing with you, and it's always a good laugh. (laughs) Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, thank you for having me on, both of you. It's been been good fun, insightful, and uh, yeah, hopefully the listeners enjoyed it. Yeah, it really was. Sure they will, and uh, I can only uh, say that anyone who isn't following Yann, either on Twitter or hasn't subscribed to him on YouTube, you're missing out. You know, is is whether you really like or you know that the baldness that's a different story. But <laughs> yeah, but generally, you know, the football knowledge is pretty decent. So no, yeah. uh, I, I kid. You know, you've got to take the do... rough with the smooth. Oh yeah. god, that makes that makes it sound even worse. The rough with the smooth, no pun. <laughs> Burying but, myself. Yes, no, definitely do subscribe. You will not regret it that wraps up our podcast for today um we will be back next week hopefully hopefully on the back of two wins so that we can uh have a very nice and fun episode uh not that this one wasn't but it's always nice to talk about a win rather than two defeats so that concludes our podcast for today um as always keep the blue flag flying high and up the chelsea